London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG, open makes more possible. Live from Southern California, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for a new episode of Kings of the Podcast. Brought to you by MayorsManor.com and the fourth period. Introducing your host, born and raised in the city of angels, the mayor, John Hovan. And originally from the Bronx, now hailing from Encino, it's D.B. Dennis Bernstein. Buckle up, here we go! That's right, it's time for another edition of Kings of the Podcast. D.B., we're back, episode three. What are you thinking, D.B.? Have you seen the reviews? Have you seen the comments on Twitter? Like, what are we, five days into this project? It's been, again, I did it after uh, the start of uh, episode two, but thanks, fans. We really have stunned uh, with respect to the uh, response. So, yeah, I'm ready, John. Uh, got a special guest uh, later in the show. Uh, you might want to tease that, but uh, let's get into it, man. What do you got? Yeah, we're going to we're gonna segment today's show into three periods, kind of like a hockey game. Love so it. First period, it's going to be the two of us yakking, and then the second period, we do have a special guest. It is the Stanley Cup champion and captain of the Los Angeles Kings, Andre Kopitar, is going to join us here as we kick off training camp. We don't mess around, John. Like, no. We go right to the top. No, like, no. We waited for, you know, some... Podcast might have guests right away. We waited a little bit, and we delivered Andre Kopitar as uh, camp opens up on Friday. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And then uh, for period three, we'll come back, and we'll look a little bit ahead to the future, some things that are going to be happening both at the NHL level and the AHL level. Uh, but, DB, I, I just want to echo your comments there and, and, and sentiments and say thank you to the fans. The response yeah, has been stunning. phenomenal. I can't believe, DB, the number of people that wanted to come up and shake our hand and talk about the podcast <laughs> down in Irvine. Uh, it was pretty overwhelming. I mean, it was it was very nice to see that we've received uh, this, this this positive reaction from everybody. And one request for Kings of the Podcast gear on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'm already working on a shirt yeah. design. Exactly. I, we're going to VG with Violent Gentlemen. With you know Mike what's Hammer. funny is I did talk to Hammer actually. At, <laughs> I saw him at uh, at the game and you know sort of uh, elbowed him a little bit. They sold out of the Mayor's Manor T-shirt. They did. That's so, fantastic. So we're wow. going to need. And it's funny because um, earlier this summer. I had a request on Twitter. Uh, I've, I, occasionally I get requests. People say, hey, can I still buy that shirt? And I'm like, hey, sorry, you know, VG yeah. sold out of it. Right. And um, this guy was like really hitting me up about it. He was it. adamant, he about, adamant it. about it. Yeah, so if I go, hey, you, I don't know. Like you just should email Violent Gentleman and maybe they have one buried in the warehouse or something. And so a couple of days later I saw Hammer and uh, they were joking with me saying, hey, we got this email and we, we thought it was like <laughs> from your private email. <laughs> that was me that was emailing. Right. Do you have any more? Exactly. I said, no, it's not me, but... Uh, Maybe we can get uh, Violent Gentlemen to, to, to make up a Kings of the Podcast shirt. Sure. I wonder what color it would be, DB. Oh, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> it, it's black or night black or, um, I don't know. Darker so, black. Uh, darker black. <laughs> yeah. Three versions of black. black not like the iPhone. <laughs> no. Not like iPhone 11. Black, darker black, and most black. There you go. There you go. Black <laughs> is the new black, and black is the only black, and it's black That's like my soul, DB. <laughs> exactly. That's all you're going to get. Don't bleach it. It's black. That's right. Uh, for, first period, out of the gate. Here we go. Let's do some follow-up because it's sure. interesting. Every every time we do a pod, we get follow-up questions and conversations, and 
I, I sort of apologized for it in the um, second episode, and I, I want to do it again. I just want to say, man, I was wrong on the Clifford thing. I don't know if I yeah. was just, you know, punch drunk from doing the first episode <laughs> or what was going on, but this crazy notion that I had on the first podcast about his next contract. Right. And I talked about it in depth upon further reflection in the second one, but I sure. do want to bring it up again because I've had an opportunity to follow up Consult with some other people. With some people, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, talk to agents, talk to different managers and different things about that. Just the people that you and I talk to in the world of hockey and, um, from all indications, it looks like that deal probably would be about a three to four year deal, somewhere in the neighborhood of about two and a half million. That's wow. kind of the market that they believe that is out there right now. Ten over four. Okay. Yeah. So that's sort of what I'm thinking for Clifford now at this point. Um, you know, I, I said with the uh, Adrian Kempe deal, the number of years and the money and how that was going to kind of be, again, from talking to people and it ended up coming out pretty close. And okay. So most of the time, these ideas that you and I are, are sharing with people, they're not always 100% no, our not, ideas. John, we're, we're who's the, 100% right all the we're, time? We're it's the, speculation. Well, it's no, no, informed no. It's informed speculation. Well, right? what I mean, and I don't mean about right. I mean, they're not always 100% our ideas. We are a conduit of information that we receive. Because from, some people can't talk about that stuff. Sure. So they can feed it to us and we can talk about it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's sort of what we're thinking on the uh, the Clifford contract there is probably two and a half million. And there's a good there's a few good comps that I talk with some people about yeah. that are in that two and a half to three million range. Um, we know that Clifford wants to stay in Los Angeles, as I said on the last uh, pod. You can't envision him not being in the King's uniform. And, and term is going to be the key here. Term's going to be important. Yep. To, in order to keep him like it was last time he signed for five years um he would have been willing to sign for longer as i reported at the time <laughs> he signed for five though and he would have gone longer which is crazy uh, i will tell you a little funny story yeah that uh because i love dropping jeff Sullivan's name on here so i didn't hear this from sully but i did hear this from somebody else and this is an interesting comment <laughs> a lot of times general managers and organizations are reluctant to sign players to long-term contracts because they worry in all sports, oh, if this guy gets his money now, how is he going to be right. in the out years, right? Right. And uh, allegedly, uh, one of the comments that Sully made, I heard during the com- during the uh, negotiations or as they were wrapping it up, is that he made the comment uh, to the Clifford camp. You know, with with Clifford, with Cliffy, we don't worry about. Not that. worry about that. Right. It's actually the opposite. We think that with this long term contract, Cliffy is going to actually work harder than he would have if we signed him to a short-term deal. So yeah. I thought that was a little interesting That's nugget. That's a very interesting and, nugget and, right and there. And that, yeah. was, that was part of the King's impetus to put a, a long-term, long-term deal, deal in there. They sure. say, hey, we're comfortable with this player. He's not going to loaf in the year five, and he's going to be playing for a... But yeah, I, and you know the man very well. That's not a surprise. I mean, that was a pretty educated guess that this guy would be playing in year five as hard as he was in year one. Well, look at the performance last year. Year four of the contract... It's a down year for the team. Some guys were mailing it in. Yeah. Did Clifford ever mail it in? No, and he morphed He morphed his game, too, to, to being a, a better offensive player. So, yeah, so good for him. And hopefully, yeah, it comes to fruition and you see him another multi-year, multi-year deal here in Los Angeles. So here's some more follow-up here as we stick around in the first period, DB. Yeah. Um, I talked last, or one of the podcasts, about the fact that this uh, rookie tournament is looking to move to being hosted by the Coyotes mm-hmm. next year. Um, talked to a lot more people about this. There was some discussion about, was it going to be in Tucson, which is where the AHL Roadrunners play? Yep. Absolutely not. This looks like it's going to be in Phoenix. You and I were talking, where would they host it? Would they host it at the Ice Den, which is their practice facility? It has a couple of sheets of ice, but it's about, say, 30 minutes away. It's in Scottsdale, or that's where we assumed it would be. Right. You and I were talking, you know, if I'm the Phoenix Coyotes, I would want to host the games at the arena because that is the home of the Coyotes until they build another building. That's the home. And if you want to generate the most amount of fan interest, why not just give the tickets away? And I know you're not going to fill the arena, but wouldn't you rather 
then sell the games out at the ice den and limit the uh, number of fans that can see it. If you're trying to grow the game in Phoenix, wouldn't you want to just have as many people as possible to attend the games? Well, you should build an arena in Phoenix. In Scottsdale? <laughs> oh, it's not in Glendale. But not yeah, in- I agree. No, I agree with you. I believe it should be at the arena. Um, that's the only use for the arena other than concerts. So I'm sure they have a clear path to schedule the games there. And I agree with you. And plus Westgate's a great destination as well. It's not like it's some sta- some arena that stands by itself. It's not a freestanding arena. The Westgate um, facility is really, really nice. You have the restaurants there. I've been, you know, we've been there tons of yeah. times. So I think it would be a really nice attraction for them in a, in a full weekend. And that place is booming. Now, I remember when we were there during 2012 for the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs mm-hmm. and there were not a lot of people that were attending the, the restaurants and the bars that were there. But then over the last couple of years during spring training, and then you and I yep. been there, that place is booming now. And they have that Dutch Brothers coffee, which is, oh, you know, this is your favorite. Now, uh, that's exactly. a fantastic. Well, it's not my favorite. My favorite is Waves, which is the place um, in Vancouver. Did I tell well, you this? One? No, no. Let, you me give me. You, let me give you a quick coffee story, then, okay. if you don't mind. Um, so I was up at the World uh, Junior Championships in Vancouver right. uh, this past year between Christmas and you know around New Year's time. I come out of the hotel one morning. And I'm, you know, I just figured if I walked a couple blocks, I would find a Starbucks. They have to be everywhere, right? <laughs> and there's this lady uh, walking her dogs. Local lady, you could sort of tell, you know, that she wasn't at the hotel because she had the dogs, I guess. Yeah. She's walking towards me, and, and I said, "Excuse me, you know, um, where's the closest Starbucks?" And she kind of looks at me and like kind of like looks down her nose at me, which is not very Canadian, <laughs> by the way, because they're always no. polite. And she was like, "You know, like I, I can tell you, like there's one around the corner over here, a couple blocks from here, but." Are, do you have to have a Starbucks? I was like, well, I just, that's where I go for coffee. Like, you know, if you want the best coffee here in Vancouver, you need to go a couple blocks further. Do you have time? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, and she's like, right. walk past the Starbucks right. and there's this place called waves. So, okay, thank you. So, you know, I, I, I start walking and in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm not walking past the Starbucks. Like I'm, you know, no way. <laughs> but as I get closer to the Starbucks, I'm thinking, what do I have to lose? Like, I don't have a game till one o'clock. I have time for this. Yeah. Let me go check out the local fair exploration. Let's go see what this is about. Right. So yeah. I, I walked past the Starbucks. It was very um, hard for me. It was, it was like the mothership <laughs> pulling me in, yeah. but I walked past it. I go to waves and it's uh, this like white and blue instead of green okay. um, place. And you know, quite honestly, it's not that different than any other coffee shop. They have their pastries and they have yeah. their coffee and everything. Beautiful leather chairs. And I, I sit down and, I don't know what it was, Dennis. It, it was a magical, <laughs> magical experience. I'm all about waves. What did you like about the coffee? What was it? I, I just, it just, yeah, the, the, the flavor was better. The, the pastries tasted fresh. Yeah. Um, it was fantastic. So, of course, then I, I, I'm starting, you know, me, I'm yeah. Twittering about it and I'm putting it on my <laughs> Instagram story. And then waves, they're hitting me up on DM. Beautiful. And talking to me. Uh, unfortunately, it's a Canadian In thing. Brand, right. So it hasn't worked its way to the U.S., um, so yeah, then a couple months later, I discovered Dutch Brothers in in Scottsdale, and of yep. course that hasn't made its way to Southern California. That's more of a Oregon, Seattle, Arizona thing. Yeah, exactly. And then when we were in Hawaii, Kona Coffee is okay. fantastic as well. It's very, I mean, obviously the uh, the atmosphere and the uh, the weather allows the the great coffee to be grown there. So I, I the regional coffees yeah. are great. I'm a coffee bean guy by myself. Coffee so, bean, okay. Yeah, I'm coffee bean. Your Starbucks. Yeah. I am. Well, yeah, I have to get the uh, the white mocha, the non fat white mocha. Yeah, and... I'm a, I'm a sugar free cafe vanilla guy. So okay. And where do you land on Tim Hortons? I know that the Kings. Oh, love it. The Kings, for example, they yeah. bring in Tim Hortons, including the cups for the players. I don't know if you know this, but no, they, I didn't know about the cups. They fly in the cups. cups. So that the players can have their coffee and their Tim Hortons cup. To me, John, that's a Canadian experience. Like, I know yeah. there's like there's one in Midtown Manhattan. I think there's obviously one's in Buffalo Detroit. too. Buffalo, yeah. yeah. But um, I've got to be in Canada to do Tim's. Uh, love it. It's great. No problem. I uh, love the great customer service there. But um, 
I'm not thinking it's going to be Tim Hortons anytime soon in Los Angeles. You're an East Coast guy, uh, yes. so Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts, yeah. You're a Dunkin' guy. Um, I like the donuts more than the coffee. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I'm not a I'm not a huge Dunkin' Dunkin' Donut uh, Dunkin' Coffee guy. Um, but yeah, the donuts are great. I love them at LAX. You know, there, there's one uh, that we usually stop in. But I'm not a big coffee guy. I'm a I'm very you know, as you know, we're love the brands here. And we're all about branding, John. So, but I'm a I'm a coffee bean guy. I've got their app. Um, Oh, you have stuff. the app. Oh, yeah. Coffee Bean app. I order in advance. Mobile <laughs> ordering. Oh, yeah. You know, Mr. Technology over here. Let's go. Okay. How about this then, DB? We'll okay. move on. We'll move on to our next topic. Uh, but I have to ask first. So if we go to Phoenix for the rookie tournament next year. Yeah. Can I get you to Dutch Brothers? Can we oh, go? yeah. Okay, so Absolutely. We'll, on your say so, 100% I'll try it. All right. We'll try it. Um, one other little nugget about that tournament, though, DB, is yeah. that from what I'm hearing, this is an interesting one. The Phoenix Cardinals. They're the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals. Um, their schedule could actually impact the Coyotes' ability to host this tournament. That's one of the things I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. So they're, the, the Coyotes organization is actively looking at the NFL schedule. Right. And I guess I'm, I'm assuming that they don't want to schedule the tournament if the uh, Cardinals keep this straight. Yeah. If the Cardinals are home. Now that leads me to believe, back to our earlier topic, that mm-hmm. they must be worried about hosting it at the arena because they, they share the, the it's parking, next door to right, the parking exactly. situation. But if right. they were at iced in, that's in Scottsdale. Not only that, John, but since it's September, the Cardinals only be like, Oh, and two or Oh, and three. Okay. So <laughs> thank you to all of our Arizona yeah, listeners. Exactly. They won't be Oh, and 12. <laughs> okay. So there's more likely that fans will show up to the game in September than if they scheduled later in the season. Okay. Well, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> we have, let's continuing with our, our up topics. Um, we have uh, Blake Lazat. This guy was the MVP of the rookie tournament. He was just phenomenal. Multi-points in several games. He was the little engine that could, just out there like a buzzsaw. Everybody that I talked to in management, as well as Coach Stuthers, they were just raving about this guy. Mm -hmm. Interesting to me, because it's a tournament that is largely there and showcasing. I wouldn't say it's designed to, but it's it's supposed to, or it does typically showcase top draft Draft picks. picks, So Bjornfoot's there. Kaliev is there. All these guys are there. Fagamo's there. Fagamo. All these guys. Um, and the Ducks used their NHL guys <laughs> that that were top draft picks. Yeah. A lot of a lot of former first round picks that right. were on that roster and played half the season last year. But true, ahead. true. <laughs> uh, it's experience, Dennis. It's experience, and Games. they're within the rules. Remember, we covered that. <laughs> okay. Um, and my point though is that Blake yeah. Lazat was a college free agent. agent yep. And what's funny is he wasn't even on the initial list of college free agents that the Kings were chasing. I'm not trying to minimize his. Was he on your Mayor's Matters list? He was not. That's, that's what I'm saying. So they're okay. in talking with kind of our sources within the organization and other people and whatnot uh, around college and scouts and knowing who they were sniffing around on. There were some other guys that yep. they were, I don't want to say more interested in, but that were probably first or second on their list. Sure. And they didn't end up signing those guys for reasons that we've covered on Mayor's Manor. Right. A couple of them, they thought they were they were going to bag, and they just didn't. Just didn't, right. Um, kind of like the White, Clid, uh, White Cloud kid from, from Vegas, Vegas right. came to development camp a couple years ago and had a tie-in at Minnesota Duluth uh, with some of their scouts who never never made it to, to L.A. on a contract. But Blake Lazat is turning into, or potentially could be, a rather interesting story. I don't want to say an Alex Iafalo, too, because... I have follow made the roster and you know et cetera. But if Blake Lazat ends up in the NHL this year and plays some games, that's the same type of story, right? That exactly. Is a story. It's, it's it's comparable to I follow, right? Because coming in, who's Alex I follow, and then he's on the first line. And that's saying that Lazat would be on the first line. But I agree with you; it's a comparable right there. And that's John. That's why you pay the amateurs, the amateur scouts, that money to find guys like that on Earth and get them on the list, higher up on the list, and maybe they struck gold there. I agree with you. 
And how funny would the, not funny, but I guess maybe how funny would it be? Because for him to make the roster, yeah. most likely he would have to beat out somebody like a Perkorkin. Yes. Lazat's going to have to play center. Right. So the Kings wait a bazillion years plus 10 <laughs> to get, not just a bazillion DB, it's plus 10. Yeah, plus 10. Uh, a bazillion exactly. plus 10 years to get Perkorkin over here. He finally comes over. He's in North America. He's in camp. They think he's going to make the roster. And then here comes this college free agent out of nowhere yeah. and possibly steals his job. Um, I just I find it to be a fascinating developing story that we'll probably right. talk more about as the as the um, as we get deeper in camp. Yeah. Yep. Uh, one more thing in period one, and we'll wrap up. I guess this is the well, it wouldn't be the two minute warning, but we need Dave Joseph saying one minute remaining in the period. Uh, we'll have <laughs> we'll to, get that done. Yeah. We'll, get, we'll get him a recording of him. But um, on the rules, Billy Constantino and Johnny Yancis, these are two of the yeah. the, the the PTO guys, two of the tryout guys, the mm-hmm. camp invitees. Now, Yancis, who was a 50-goal scorer in the uh, Ontario Hockey League last year, one goal behind Kaliev, and this kid was not <laughs> drafted. Right. Okay? Yancis is most likely playing for an AHL Show contract. Spot. Right. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, that'd be nice. I'm sure Coach Stuthers would appreciate getting a guy who can potentially put the puck in the net. Sure. They're going to be strong on defense in Ontario, but they need goals. Um, Billy Constantino, who is a defenseman, Interesting thing here. Uh, he had a great game in game two. He was paired with Mikey Anderson, had a goal, had an assist. I've been hyping him ever since development camp. Yeah. This is somebody who's under consideration for a contract, uh, but some the fans might not understand exactly how the contract situation works here. So he is on a, on a PTO, a, a tryout contract. If they are to sign him, he wasn't drafted, they can sign him before they release him from his PTO. He doesn't have to go back in the draft. So right. they can sign him, but it has to be to an entry-level contract. contract right. And then, you know, it would slide because he'll still go back to the Ontario sure. League. However, if they release him from the PTO, then he does have to go back into the draft next year. Oh, really? Okay. And the challenge is the Kings are really up against it right now with mm-hmm. the number of contracts. I don't think they have a contract to give. So as oh, There's no, of, in the uh, 50? You don't have any? Yeah, I, there's a couple that are going to slide and whatnot, yeah. but they need the room and it, it, they haven't traded away guys yet. So they're right, really, right. and they're signing some more of these guys, sure. Bjorn Foot was signed and so on. I just think that Constantino, as much as they like him, might be might be caught in a numbers crunch here sure. and um, might have to wait for the draft next year and then maybe see if they can pick him up with the mid to late round draft pick or if another team scoops him up because they like him. Uh, the good thing would be Kingston's not expected to be a really great team in the in the mm-hmm. OHL this year, so his numbers may not be inflated, and he's not going to get a lot of hype and that sort mm-hmm. of stuff, most likely. So that's going to wrap it up for the first period. We're going to hear the buzzer, and then we're off, and it's going to be the second period of Kings of the Podcast with our special guest Andre Kopitar. Okay, so uh, Kings of the Podcast, we're here with uh, our first and probably best guest of the season, Andre Kopitar. Andre. Uh, how was the off season for you? Did you relax, train? I mean, what, uh, I know you played in the World Championships, but uh, kind of lay it for the fans. Uh, what you did over the summer? Uh, yeah, I mean, shortly after I left LA, uh, uh, I went to play World Championships for Team Slovenia. Uh, it took about fourteen days of, of my my time, so called, and then. Um, just relaxed after that. Uh, really took it easy for the first first two weeks. Didn't do a whole lot uh, but golf, and then uh, and then started uh, training and getting ready for for the season. How much time did you take off? Actually, were you off the ice? Off? Well, I was off the ice until late July. Um, I try to stay off as, as much as I can. Really, um, really get the off ice stuff uh, in order and in check, and then once I'm once I started skating, I'm I'm ready and in good shape, and I don't don't have to worry about off ice so much. 
the great thing about you, Andre, you, you give back to the community. You have that hockey academy in Slovenia. So why don't you talk a little bit about that work you did over the summer? Yeah, uh, I do have with my good friend, Sumatra Ogniker, who is also a, a hockey player, a uh, big name back in Slovenia. Uh, so we host uh, kids from all over the world. Uh, over the course of two weeks, and uh, this year we've been fortunate enough to to cover 13 countries. So that's uh, that's a new record, and kids come from from all over the world, which is uh, obviously really good and really satisfying at the same time. So Andre, um, I know you play golf and you love golf, but you've told me in the past that uh, the PGA is not in your future once you stop playing hockey. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, that's that's correct. I. Uh, I will play uh, very amateur golf, uh, especially once I'm done playing. There might be a little bit more time, so I might get just a, a touch better. But uh, uh, PGA is definitely not in my sight. What kind of handicap do you have? Uh, I'm about a six or a seven nowadays. Oh, that's really good, man. So yeah, you not ter- not terrible, but not great. Who's who's the best golfer on the team other than you? Drew uh, Doughty's pretty good. Uh, Trevor Lewis can can hit the ball, um, and that's, uh, I don't know, I'm sure some young guys that I, I haven't really played with yet, so they're, uh, they're going to surprise me. Kyle Capoli can smack the ball a little bit, so mm-hmm. it's, uh, we have a nice group going. Cope, you went over um, to uh, Ireland, correct, to play uh, in the, the links there. Just talk about that experience playing in Ireland. Yeah, that was uh, that was really good. I mean, that was my wife's uh, thousand game uh, gift. So she took me uh, took me up to Ireland and we played a few courses and it was it was unbelievable. It, it really truly is amazing and I would recommend to to all the golfers out there to to go and and, and check it out. You know, you, your brother Gaspar uh, stepped away from playing, but. Uh, in his future, do you see him as a possible scout or coach, or what do you think? Do you think he's going to stay in the game? Number one, number two, would he adapt well to being uh, in management or scouting? Yeah, I, I, I really, I really believe so. Yes, um, unfortunately, he had to stop playing, or he retired last year. But he's always been connected to hockey, and he's got a, a really good hockey mind. He sees a lot of stuff that uh, you know you can't you can't really teach. So he's been. Uh, He's been he's going to work with with Junior Kings this season, and then uh, who knows in the future? I, I can definitely see him having a, a scouting gig or, or or even a coaching job. Gob, how do you approach this season? I mean, last season was just a write off. It just from the start it didn't go well. John wound up losing his job, but but your mindset and approach um, to this season um, just wipe everything out. I mean, when you step to the ice for uh, camp on Friday, what's your approach? What's your mindset going to be? Yeah, I mean we're we're looking ahead. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no secret that last season was was horrible, uh, but it's not going to do us any good now. Look at looking back. I mean, now with you know new coaches coming in, Doc coming in, uh, we got to look ahead. I'm sure he's going to adjust uh, a, a few things and change uh, change a, a little bit of everything. And uh, you know, in that regard, uh, just getting focused. Getting focused on the future, uh, getting focused, and and having good camps, and then go from there. How many conversations have you had with Todd? I've had a few. I've yeah. had a few. Nothing to the great extent quite yet, but I'm sure that's going to be on the agenda pretty soon. Cope, are you excited about the? I mean, I went to the um, 
rookie tournament there in Irvine. And there, the the, gra- the draft was great. Turcotte looks like a, hopefully a number two behind you in the future. But uh, how excited about uh, this young talent that's come into the organization over the last couple of months? Uh, I, I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't have a whole lot of an idea on uh, on these young kids uh, at first. But then as, as the draft was approaching, you know, looked a few up, of course, and talked to a few people. And uh, the, the general consensus was that we this year drafted really, really well. So I'm very excited, obviously, uh, for us to be successful now and in the future. We're, we're going to need some, some young kids to, to come in and, and fill some holes and, and really step it up and, I guess, just kind of eventually take over for, you know, core that has been in, in place for, for a little bit now. Go cool. when. With respect to line combinations, uh, you and Brownie have done great the last couple of seasons, but are you adaptable if, if Todd says, okay, we want to get Tyler going early in the season and he's your right wing as opposed to Brownie, maybe Brownie goes to the left side. How adaptable are you to, to different line mates throughout the season? I mean, we all know Daryl Soto mixing the lines like, <laughs> like nobody else. So I, I play with pretty much anybody and everybody. So I, I can adapt for sure. It's a, it's a slight adjustment here and there, um, but it, it's not a big deal. Okay, other than yourself, who's the funniest guy on the team? Funniest guy? I mean, Drew's pretty funny. And then maybe undercover funny is definitely Dustin Brown. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he's one of those guys where, you know, you, you get him into a bigger group that yeah. – uh, maybe he doesn't know people. He's going to be very quiet, but you get him into a, an environment where he knows people and people know him. He, he's got some, he's got some killer one-liners. <laughs> Kobe, through the years, I mean, you've played over a decade now. So like, give me one or two players that really um, understood your game. Like that were great, um, just great teammates or just great line mates where they could anticipate you, your moves and you likewise. Well, the, the first on the list has to be Brownie. I mean, I, I've played with him for 13 years now. And, yeah, there's been a little bit of that time where we didn't play together. For, but for the majority of my career, we played together. And we, I, I feel like we complemented each other pretty well. And then uh, one other guy would be Justin Williams. I mean, really? What a, what a class, class individual, um, a winner, first and foremost. And he was obviously a big part of, with with our success here in LA. And he's a glue guy. He brought brought us together even further than we were. So those are those are probably the two that I can point out. Hey, Kobe, you mentioned glue guys. Like I know that people talk about advancement statistics and analytics and things of that nature. But can you talk a little bit about glue and how important that is to a championship team? It is extremely important. I mean, you look back, and I hate going back because it's been a while now sure. where, where we've, you know, had the championship team. But you have, you know, Matt Green, Garrett Stoll, you have Willie Mitchell, um, Justin Williams. I mean, all of Mike Richards, you know, all of those guys are so-called glue guys, yet leaders at the very highest level. So for us at, at that time, I mean, I, honestly, I don't know, and I hope we do, but I, I don't know if we can get a tighter team than it was back then. Sure. So, um, you know, but but it's a work in progress. Don't get me wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly with with all the talent now, 
everybody that we have, we, we feel comfortable and, and confident that we, that we can get back there. I mean, it might take us a little bit of time, but uh, the plan, of course, is getting there. But most importantly, we, we have we have the, the confidence in, in this group to, to get there again. Okay, so you think that you can be a dangerous team this year? We are certainly not going to just wash this year up. Uh, we can be dangerous, of course, uh, but you know we're going to have to we're going to have to play to our very maximum and 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 to the highest level that we possibly can. A final one. So me and the mayor always debate about music. So uh, the outro music. Are you a country guy? Would you like maybe uh, Old Town Road as we uh, end this uh, podcast? Fire it up. Thank you, DB. Have okay. a good one. Okay. Thanks. Final period of the show, DB. It was a great second period. Andre Kopitar, anything that just pops into your mind that, that really stuck out during that chat with uh, the captain? I thought he bragged more on his uh, golf game. <laughs> I thought he'd be going and apply for his PGA card once he was done with his contract. But uh, look, I, I know the guy for years, really down to earth, really has it all, John. He has this magnificent home in, in Manhattan Beach, a wife, beautiful wife, two kids, just a really down to earth guy, um, despite all the achievements he's had. So, and it's just proven by the fact that he'd come on our podcast with just one ask, um, mm-hmm. which is just a, just a really, really good cat. And I expect John, maybe it's not going to be an MVP nominee year like he had two seasons ago, but you got to think he's going to be probably 15 to 20 points better uh, this season than over last, just from coaching, from better structure. Um, and look, we're not supposed to root for players, but uh, um, yeah, I'm not afraid this. I'm not ashamed to say I root for Kopitar to be to have a really good season. Well, I think like all the things that you said, plus such a great family. I mean, a great brother. He has a you know yeah, a gosh, great no. great father. It's just a hockey family, and there's a lot of pride there with a guy like Kopitar. So yep. that is a motivation in and of itself. You know, not to mention uh, uh, Todd McClellan coming in and just a better structure. Like before two seasons ago, there was over you know the uh, oddsmakers comes out with over under points uh, for players and for teams. I said. For you, over under, he goes, oh, definitely over. And he was, you know, is the MVP, is the uh, Hart nominee season, so he, he blew by by 20 points. So, yeah, he takes pride in that. I was speaking with Akil Thomas, one of the King's prospects, about this over the summer. He was saying he deleted Twitter because it, it, it just it messes with his head yeah. too much because it makes him feel too high when he's on a, on a roll and it makes yeah. him feel too low when he's in the, in the slump. But he said that he still saw certain things that, yeah, that exactly. people said because his buddies or his family would like text him or tweet him. Or, well, not tweet him, but text him things and say, hey, did you see this article? Or, hey, did you see this comment about you or, you know, whatever. So they do. They see and hear everything that's said about them uh, both ways, positive and negatively. Especially if they're married with their wives. <laughs> their wives definitely tell them stuff. So, so Nicole Brown is at home with like a scrapbook and she's, she's clipping everything out and she's keeping binders. Oh yeah. Is she keeping score? What do you think? She's keeping score and she's, you know, she's got my number. So (laughs) Nicole Brown is fantastic. Um, you know, we'll have her on at some point. (laughs) We got to get clear from from Dustin, but I don't think Dustin, Dustin's, you know, we've, we've talked about this. Dustin wants to kind of avoid the public eye at this point in time, but um, Nicole doesn't. (laughs) And she would probably run to the phone to, because yeah, we had her on the Sirius XM yes. show when the couple oh, runs. Yes. She's fantastic, and she's still a very good friend. So I'm sure she'll acquiesce and, and be a guest at some point. The more I'm thinking about it, we should do like a game show of some sorts where we have Nicole Brown against Gaspar Kopitar, <laughs> and they can square off about their opinions on certain players. You know, be like, Dwight King, go! You know, and they would be like uh, one of those game shows where they each argue a point. All right, um... The AHL All-Star Game, I'm just moving right along yeah. here, DB. We're kind of hitting some... Didn't some, you uh, break that story, I, I, I think I did, DB. Okay. okay. And as just well checking. as a jersey and a logo and all sorts of fun Just stuff. like everything <laughs> around the game. But go ahead, John. I try, DB. I try. 
Um, I take a lot of heat for it in some circles. You certainly did. And, and on in that other, one, you did well. And, and in other circles, <laughs> I'm applauded for it. So, yeah. hey, man, just doing my job. Just doing Information my job. flow. Let's go. So the um, AHL All-Star Game is coming to uh, Ontario yep. this year. So, DB, I want to know. I'm going to put you on the spot. I don't want one of your, I can change my mind later. Can we get you out to Ontario for the All-Star Game? It's happening at the end of January. Can you come out? Isn't the regular NHL All-Star Game the same weekend? Well, Sunday would be the skills competition, but then Monday is the actual AHL All-Star Game, so it's not the same I might be flying back from St. Louis. Okay, so taking Red Eye out Sunday night so we can have you back there on Monday. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Okay. Absolutely. So you're committing to it now, All-Star Game. Yeah, absolutely, John. I'm going to put the over-under on the number of Ontario players at five. Really? I think they're... So you think they're going to have a big year? I think they're going to have five players really? that are going to be on the All-Star. So, so rack that, as Jim Rome would say. Yeah, we'll we're going to rack it. We're going to rack it. We'll come back to it later. Episode three, Yeah, 25 minutes in. Into period three. Exactly. Okay. Let's go. So that's what I think is going to happen there. I think there'll be five players. I'm not sure which there'll be, but I just think okay. it's, going to be, it's going to be fantastic. Um, and if, we, if and when we do have Dustin Brown on, we should ask him about the time that he was uh, part of the big All-Star game experience in mm-hmm. Manchester um, when he was there during the lockout because right. there were a number of players uh, speaking of Ontario, though, DB, again, looking for you to make the drive. Opening night in Ontario is coming up the weekend before the Kings open up at Staples because the Kings open up. Very rare that the Kings right. open up on the road. but they three-game road trip, They too. open up on the road this year. Yep. So uh, the first weekend in October, the, the uh, Ontario Reign are going to be hosting game one of their season of the American Hockey League. Can we get you out there? Maybe is we'll that go- a Saturday? Uh, it's October 4th. What is that? Is that a Friday or a I Saturday? don't know, John. Okay. If it's a Saturday, i got to do probably Sirius XM, so that would preclude it's me from It's at night. Me. What does that take? Yeah, a but day? you know, oh. I've got to drive out the 10. And it's, oh, okay. Well, that. We'll send maybe, a sa- maybe Saturday, maybe. Okay. I'm doing- John, why are you pressing me? Like You're lucky to get me like <laughs> over-under is one. <laughs> For Ontario rain games, right? Because I, I want to, I want to get my schedule filled out. Although technically, the All Star game isn't an Ontario rain game. You're correct. It's, it's an, an AHL event. It's, an it's an a NHL league event. event. I know you're. The, I know you love league so, events. That's true. Over under, so that could be one for league AHL league event and Ontario. Yeah, there's possibilities. Okay. Okay. Got to be weekends though. It's not okay. No Thursday nights. Okay. No. We're gonna we're gonna book a live uh, Kings of the podcast after the uh, opening yeah. night of the Ontario rain. So I guess you're gonna have to be there then. <laughs> Uh, speaking of... Mike, I'll send you the equipment. I'll call in. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Slept all this stuff. Go ahead. Um, speaking of... Uh, well, here's... Dar- well, real quick. Uh, Daryl Sutter used to be a, a frequent guest in Ontario. Yes. If he's in town, maybe we could get Daryl... Now, that's a win. Now, now if you Darryl can secure that... Okay. I'll text him. <laughs> or text him. Yeah. Exactly. Going back to the last episode. Well, after that episode, Daryl texted me. He did. I, I didn't want to tell you about it. I'll okay. tell you. I'll tell you off. Air. Off the air. Off the okay. air. Okay. It's a private conversation. Yeah, for now, I haven't. I don't have clearance yet. But uh, I was just surprised he has an international. When did clearance ever stop you from saying anything? <laughs> whoa, whoa! <laughs> You're looking for clearances okay. now. So the gloves are coming off in episode three. Let's go. Noted. Uh, speaking of minor league affiliates, I've been asked a few times about this recently on social media, and I did um, report this earlier in the summer. But I know everybody doesn't read every single tweet, uh, contrary to what I think. Um, the, with with the Manchester Monarchs, the Kings' former ECHL affiliate, closing, uh, folding up uh, after yeah. last season, um, they currently do not have an official ECHL full team, mm-hmm. but they are going to have an agreement with the Fort Wayne Comets, which uh, that's Vegas's uh, AHL affiliate. Right. I'm sorry, ECHL, ECHL affiliate. affiliate right. And um, look, at this point, 
the Kings really, in my opinion, don't need a full-fledged ECHL team because the way, if you look at their prospect pool, most of their top prospects are either um, in, co- in college, uh, right. like Turcotte, right, or, or Hernak and, uh, at St. Cloud, or they're in junior, and right. then the ones that are eligible to be here at the American League level the are already there. Yeah. So there are only one or two guys. You look at how many guys they sent to Manch last year in the ECHL. It was only a few, and it's yeah. probably only going to be a few this year as well. So Makes sense. The most common thing would be if they get into a situation like with their goaltenders, um, maybe next year, right, if it's possible, right. Too many. you send a goaltender there so that he can get playing time instead of being uh, the sure. backup. And Like Jonathan Quick went down to the ECHO back in the day. Wow, check you out. Yes, he did. I'm not the historian you are, John, but that, that nugget I remember. The Reading Royals. Reading Royals, so, exactly. Yeah, so we have to get you a Reading Royals. <laughs> and you said Reading correct, not Reading. Uh, no, not Reading, Reading. <laughs> Reading, exactly. Boy, I'll tell you what, though, DB, uh, we are so blessed in Southern California, just a small rant, to have... The, the fact that we can drive to these AHL teams. I remember going out to right. Manchester for some games yep. and being able to drive and see the Baby Sharks play and to see... Up to Baco and... And, and yeah. now to be out, yeah, to go to San Diego yep. and then you're going to put the new team out in Palm Springs. Palm Springs. Seattle, so yep. to be able to drive there, to go to Baco when Gabe Velarde came yep. and played, to be able to go to Bakersfield for a game. I mean, sure. we are truly blessed. This is... This is just a great time to be a fan of the game of hockey, especially because, if you're into the development and the prospects course. and things of that nature. You can, and plus, to be frank, you know the, the tickets. <laughs> you want to bring a family of four to those games. It's it's a lot more affordable than going to Staples Center some nights. Uh, let me also mention DB back yeah. to that opening night with the the rain. That game is going to be against the San Jose. Well, excuse me, the Barracuda, San Jose Barracudas. Barracudas yeah, right. uh, not the Sharks, but the Barracudas. That's who the Kings just played in game three, and they were blown out in the first period. Yep, 5 nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing San Jose. Not everybody, but a lot of the guys, many of the guys that were on this tournament team down in Irvine this past weekend mm-hmm. are going to be on the Ontario Reign. The guy behind the bench is going to be the same guy. And while they might tell you that it doesn't mean anything, <laughs> believe me, opening <laughs> night game one means something, means something, and there's some retribution that needs to be, there's a receipt that needs to be, uh, paid for that game there, uh, and I would be looking for the Ontario was it, ring. Was it uh, confrontational too? Was there was there were people going at it on the ice too? No, that's the, it's funny because I was standing with the scout for the third period. I'm yeah. sorry, an agent for the third period, and he was saying to me like, you know, this just shows you how much the game has changed. He noted, he's like, in the old days there would have been five guys left on the bench right yep. now because there would have been multiple fights already, and sure. guys had been thrown out because it's just crazy. We couldn't even remember standing there one big vicious hit that had taken place. Yeah. There was a fight late. Uh, Morrison got into fight. There wasn't right. really much to report about that, but it was not as chippy and physical as you would have mm-hmm. expected. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, other than I, I know this. For as bad as they looked in the first period, the Kings, yeah. they looked good, great, I won't say, but good, really mm-hmm. good in the second period. They won the second period of that mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. and they were at least even with them, if not winning the third period of that game. So sure. it was just one of those bad starts. And, hey, when you go down 5 nothing, it's hard to come back and win a hockey game. But they played well mm-hmm. in the second and third period, despite the fact that they're there weren't The score was that right, exactly. Yeah. I have a story here for you, DB. Please. I, I want to I tell you this story. So uh, I get this text the other night that says, uh, hey, did you know that I'm doing a wedding at Staples Center. And I said, uh, no, you know, what are you talking about? So Greg Hetson. Yes. Punk rock legend, right? Absolutely. Uh, huge mayor manor guy. He's, he's a huge mayor's guy. Uh, you know, we, we go way back, uh, Hetson and I, and uh, I've had him on my own show on Mayor's Manor before, and yep. I think I've had him on the NHL uh, Series XM show before. Um, so from what I understand, 
and I didn't even know this, uh, he is ordained and he can perform no, weddings. I know really? a lot of things about Greg. I, okay, I mean, you have Circle Jerks, you have Bad Religion, you have, right. you know, Johnny, I mean, excuse me, uh, Marky Ramon, he's on tour with. The yeah. guy's been all over the world. He knows everybody. I mean, we talk music. We never talk weddings, but apparently Hetson is going to perform this wedding um, at Staples Center. <laughs> this is coming up on September 19th, which is going to be next Thursday. Okay. Here's the bummer part about it. All right. I guess it's going to happen a couple hours before the game. Game, right. So fans aren't going to be in attendance. No. Um, Charlie uh, from Goldfinger, another another punk mm-hmm. rock band, was actually supposed to perform the ceremony, but he's going to be out on tour, so they asked <laughs> Hetson to do it. Um, and Greg doesn't even know the guy that he's going to be uh, performing the ceremony for, um, which is a bummer because I want to know who this is. I'll get to the bottom. Is it going to be done on the ice? Yeah, it's going to be on. So, so whoever okay. this person is, they, they know somebody, they're either well-connected or right. they've rented out staples sure. to, I didn't know this was a thing. I, I never, I didn't know. I know people pay money to put it yeah. up on the Jumbotron. And, right. That's know, different. Right. But I mean, the right. actual ceremony. Yeah. yeah. So I'm assuming it's a diehard Kings fan. He's going to come out in like the jerseys and whatnot. And hopefully, some players have some cross sticks. They'll walk underneath the cross sticks. We've be seen great. that before. Yeah. Wedding procession. Yeah. Great. And we know that that people like um, uh, uh, David Courtney before uh, you know R.I.P. Uh, yeah. Also uh, Dave Joseph. These type of people. Uh, Bob Miller have been have been paid and asked to perform weddings in, in the past and whatnot. But uh, and we've seen pictures online of different things where Kings fans are wearing their jerseys and everything. But uh, yeah, getting married on Staples Center Ice. You know, uh, I want to interject something we didn't have in the rundown. You mentioned Bob Miller. Um, a couple of weeks ago, they announced the 2019 class of the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. And um, unbeknownst to, I think, almost everybody except my myself and uh, one of Bob's friends, I nominated Bob for the Hockey Hall of Fame for the U.S. And he was not selected. I'm not sure why that is. There's only one broadcaster in the Hockey Hall of Fame right now, that's Doc Emmerich. In the U.S. Hockey Hall US, of Fame. U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, and there were, I believe, five people selected. One of them was Gary Bettman, but Bob was not selected. So you can bet your ass that next year when the nominees come again, I'm going to submit again. And I think you and I should really start a campaign at that point in time to get Bob in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. I, I didn't even really, I think everybody just assumes Assume, that, that he's that's, already, That was the that spur of the conversation. <laughs> One of Bob's friends in the press room afterwards had brought it up to me. I'm like, let me check it out. And I went to the hockey website. They received my nomination. And for some reason, decided that Bob wasn't worthy this time around to be in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, which is kind of stunning. Uh, but I think you and I have to get together and really bring some notoriety to that uh, at the end of next season and uh, try to get Bob in the hall. I think that's for sure. I mean, no, that's yeah. a no-brainer, DB. We should get Bob on and actually even just talk to him about that and yeah. see if it's ever come up before and, yeah. and what he might know about it. Or uh... Yeah, no, he, I talked to Bob about it. Okay. He, he didn't really know anything about it, but um, um, it's an oversight that hopefully we, you and I will correct um, next year. Absolutely. So. Yeah. The Rogi Vashon uh, in, in right. the Hall of Fame has exactly. been corrected. So yeah. uh, we'll see if we can get Bob going. Uh, for sure, let's get the campaign going. Sure. Next topic here as we move along through the third period, DB, and time is running out in the third period it before, before that buzzer comes up. I just uh, I wanted to bring up a topic and, and sort of get your take on it. Scouts have, have been in the news, and we'll get to Ned Coletti in a minute, but yeah. there's also um, agents and management. And, you know, Jeff Sol- uh, Solomon and his briefcase and all that stuff. <laughs> For those that don't know, Sully used to be an agent, yep. and now he's on the management side. Yep. And I was thinking about this because um, Luke Robitaille, obviously president of the LA Kings, and Pat Brisson, one of the real power brokers in, in the agency world, um, they used to play together in Hull back in, the, in their right, junior they days. They go way back together. Way, way back. I mean, you know. Teenage they, friends, they, basically. Exactly. They were, they were teammates and teenage friends growing up. And, and Pat was his agent for a long time, as well as, you know, he's the agent for our guest today uh, in, in, yeah, Pat, in, in, in Kopitar. Yep. Um, so 
now it's sort of interesting. I know Blake's uh, Blake's the GM, so he's doing more of the negotiations with, with Pat and with Pat's people. Um, but it's it has to be weird at some point, and I and I I sort of see it as a double sided coin. There's the strangeness of I'm negotiating with my friend when uh, he's representing yeah. on behalf of the kings versus there's an advantage to it, I think, as well. And, and I sort of point back to, again, to our guest earlier today, Anjay Kopitar. I reported it at the time, DB. I don't think it was very widely known, but when, when Kopitar was signing that extension, if you remember, he signed it in the middle of the year. It wasn't yep. done over the summer like a traditional nope. superstar extension. It creeped done. into the regular season, it, correct. Exactly. And why was that? Well, it's because the negotiations, from what I understand and reported, were rather contentious at times. It's with, a very accurate report, John. With, <laughs> with then-GM Dean Lombardi, yep. it became really, really bad at the end to the point that Rob Blake, who at that time was the assistant general manager and was not really part of the negotiations per se, he jumped in as well as Luke Robitaille jumping in. And they brokered the deal because, again, I think in this case it worked in their favor. Being friends with Brisson, they were able to help calm things down. Being former players, they were able to communicate and speak the same language that Kopi was speaking, and they were able to get that deal done. So it really wasn't Dean Lombardi that actually ended up getting that Kopitar long-term extension. It was not. It was... It was very, very uh, contentious, um, and it could have won another. Look, uh, from what I know, we just have to play around. Like he could have, wa- he could have said, "I'm not going to resign here." It, it got to that level of acrimony, which was unfortunate. But like you mentioned, because they're former players and they understand the mentality better, it is an advantage. And you talk about you know agents like Mike Gillis, um, who came over on um, became the Vancouver GM. Um, could Paperson go be? Montreal GM one, one day, yeah, and even in other sports. You have Brody Van Wagenen, who was um, Robinson Cano's uh, agent. Now he's <laughs> his GM at the Mets. So there's absolutely bloodlines here because, John, you're involved, what, in negotiations all the time with contracts. You're, you're knowledgeable about market conditions. So does it make sense for a, a, an agent to jump from uh, agent from his agent hat to uh, an agency to a GM's role? Yeah, it is. The one thing, a guy like Pat Brisson you mentioned, Pat's going to have to take a pretty hefty pay cut to go and become a GM, right? So what, what does that tell me? Maybe they have to be, for that to happen, and you mentioned Montreal specifically, maybe there has to be some ownership involved, maybe a slight, a little small slice of the pie from Jeff Molson. If that ever happened, I'm not sure that would happen. Uh, but that's the thing, that these very prominent agents who would make great GMs, I think, um, it's a significant pay cut because, you know, CA has, what, 100 clients, and Pat controls most of them, so like I said, he makes substantial banks. So that's the one thing. Plus, Pat's um, and plus there's more travel involved. You know, Pat's based here in Los Angeles. He has younger kids. Um, he wants to see him go to school. So maybe when the kids are grown a little bit more, that, that's always been the talk, but kind of behind the scenes, is that yeah. once Pat's sort of family obligations are you know less than what yeah. they are today, is basically, i.e., his kids are grown a little bit, yeah. then and it becomes a passion project. So that's why I think yeah. Pat gets connected to Montreal more. Yes, than, of course, he's not taking a pay cut to go to I don't know Calgary or you know Minnesota, or Pittsburgh. Yeah, okay. Sid, because Sid's one of his clients. So no, yeah, he, it would not. It's it's Montreal if he's going to go somewhere. Right, it it's a list of one. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't always work out glowingly, though, either. I mean, look at the uh, Mike Barnett situation with Wayne Gretzky. And, yeah, and, and, and was, with Gillis. Gillis is no longer there. I mean, Jim Edding's running the show there now. So it's well, But it, what it is, John, it's, is the person qualified? Mm-hmm. And if you're a prominent agent, you are qualified to become a general manager, I believe. If, but again, John, it goes to staff. Like, who are you going to bring with you? What's the team? Mm-hmm. Right? I watch ballers all the time. And now, you know, uh, The Rock is going to be uh, the... Uh, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, and but the guy who's going to bank him says, "Watch your team. Who's your? You know, it, it's you know, what's the old saying? Um, 
a chain is only as strong as his weakest link. So if Pat would come, would he bring some of his guys from CAA? Who else would he surround himself with? So while he's ultimately qualified, it's team building, John. It's mm-hmm. like, and that's again, you know, your GM doesn't only build your on ISA roster. It's what's the what's the word that Dino has used? Infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Like what's your infrastructure? What does Pat want to do? Does he want to do a lot of heavy lifting to assemble a team to go be a GM somewhere? It's a lot of work and. You know, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but I think the salient point is that it does a prominent agent qualifies a GM, I think, absolutely. Yeah, and when you talk about infrastructure, I think that really was part of the discussion. It wasn't the headline, but it was part of the discussion at the Kings' recent state of the franchise. It's not just about Rob Blake assembling an NHL-caliber roster. It's right. about his relationship with Mark Yanetti and all of the heavy lifting that gets done on the amateur side. It's about the relationship with Nelson Emerson and, right. and you know player personnel. It's about Glenn Murray. Glenn Murray. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, and, and even with Mike Stuthers and what right. happens at the American League level. It's all of that stuff that happens. So Agreed. While he, uh, Pat and other GM, or excuse me, other agents as well, might be very qualified on the contract negotiation side ha- about scouting players too. I mean, if, right. you're you're kind of a scout when you're an agent as totally. well because you don't want to hitch your wagon to a guy who's going to be right. you know the thirteenth forward on a team. And you, plus, you got to walk in and negotiate contracts. You got to you got to have all the stats, not just the ones that you see points and assists and goals, right? Um, you have to have those deep you know, the, the differentiators that make a, a $5 million player or a $7 million player. So they're really fully invested in all that. So yeah, so again, a lot of the talking points you have with respect to the player personnel, you already are established doing that already day-to-day job when you're at CAA or you're at Octagon or any of the major agencies. Well, I'm not Kyle Clifford's agent, but if I was, DB, I would lead the conversation off with actually an article from, shameless plug, Mayor's Manor. Manor. So <laughs> a couple of years ago, I wrote an article that has quotes from, after deep conversations with Rob Blake, Mike Fuda, and Mark Yudetti, uh three of the power brokers at the time, yep. talking about what was missing from the LA Kings. And it had to do with culture, and it had to do with the lack uh, or the loss of all those guys that brought that. We talked right. about this in a previous episode, but the Jared Stoll, Willie Mitchell, Matt, Matt Green, Green, that whole group. I would print that article and I would just kindly put it on the desk of <laughs> Jeff Solomon and I would just say, um, who on this current roster or in the organization is going to fill those holes that were identified by the Kings management, Kings leadership group three years ago? Who's right. filling those roles? Because as of right now, as far as I'm concerned, DB, there are two guys driving the bus there, right. 23 and 13. Yep. 23 is under long-term contract. Might want to get 13 locked up under a long-term yep. contract Great because point, you're yeah. going to need a bridge to help get you to the Mikey Andersons, the Jared yeah. Anderson Dolans, and all those guys. The next generation of The Kings, next absolutely. generation of, of, of leaders. Um, on the scout front, uh, what about Ned Coletti? This is a very interesting topic that has come up here over the last couple of days. Ned Coletti, for those that don't know, former GM uh, in Major League Baseball, the Dodgers, the Giants. He, he's a huge hockey fan, though. We had him on Mayor's Manor a number of times. Yeah. We've seen him at Stapleton a lot when Dean was running the show. Uh, and he would, he would, he's so far, uh, far up, so much of a hockey fan. He would come to Morning Skate. I'd see him at Morning really? Skate at Staples when the visiting team was there, and he was interacting with players. He is good friends with uh, Dean Lombardi. He's good friends with Brian Burke, knows a lot of people, yep. obviously connected in the Bay Area. He's now a scout. He's never held a hockey position. He's now a scout with the uh, San Jose Sharks. Here's what I'm wondering, DB. Yeah. We'll get some scouts on later, or I'll talk to them and find out. Is it is it exciting? Is it interesting? Does it breathe you know new blood into your? You have to think so, right? In, into your your fraternity of scouts, or if you are an is NHL scout, is it yeah? Is it is it is it almost a, a letdown, or is it um, insulting that here? You know, they've been traveling to the rinks all around right. the world. Right, logged thousands of on, thousands of miles, thousands of miles. away of thousands of miles. Right, away from home. Right, <laughs> away from home, yeah. stretches, long stretches. And here comes this Major League Baseball guy, and he's, you know, 
he becomes a scout. I don't know. What's your what's your take on Ned Coletti as an NHL scout? Um, I have Rob Blake's number. I'm going to text him saying, hey, look, I'm available. Okay. If you, I'm available. You want me to check a couple of games, you know, somewhere? So You'll look, have to take a pay cut first. I have to pay, pay cut. That's right. That's true. And my schedule's tight. Um, yeah, you don't like to drive. How can you like be a scout? I don't like to drive. Fly. See, I would, I'll drive to LAX. No, but see, I would be a good scout. Oh, you'd be I, tremendous. I, yeah. I interact with the prospects. I get to know them on a personal level. Oh, you're miles ahead of me. Yeah, okay. I'm going to be a pro scout. And I'm scout. willing to travel. Pro scout. You're an amateur scout. I'm pro. Oh, so, but Big you would timer. leave the games early? Yeah, because like the other yeah. scouts do. Uh, yeah, you know, eight, the, eight minutes left in the game. Yeah, we're done. I wrote down the line combinations. I'm done. See, I'm the opposite. of. of I don't understand. Yeah. If I was a GM, I would rather my guys show up 10 minutes late, but really? stay... Till the end of the game, because DB, it says a lot about a player, regardless of the score. That's what's happening late in the game? If yeah. it's three to two, what's happening? Yeah. Who's just selling out in November, yeah. trying to get two points? Yep. Uh, you know, I think it says a lot about what happens at the end of the game. I don't want my guys leaving with eight minutes in the game. Mm. Well, back to Ned. Oh, um, okay. It's not like this guy just walked through who's an average fan and became. He was a general manager for a baseball team. <laughs> So he kind of gets it, but no, two it, big market teams. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, can he assess talent? I assume he's been around the game enough to assess talent, right? Can he assess? And more importantly, John, the thing that you always talk about intangibles, heart. Mm-hmm. Could a GM see that and talking and looking at players? I assume Nick Coletti could. So I have to go back and see. Did he draft uh, Kenley Jansen? Because maybe he can't. <laughs> I'll have to go back and look that yeah, up. Everybody's a Murphy Mulligan, but I, but to get your point, it's very unique. And knowing the shorts organization I do, I'm not surprised they're the ones that did it. Really? They are outside the box. They're always, they're a really progressive ownership and management team. So it's not surprising. And I'm sure Doug Wilson, who's been there forever, did his due diligence before adding him to the roster uh, of scouts. But uh, yeah, yeah, shock. When I saw that name, I didn't put two and two together. I'm like, what's Ned going to do scouting? And the the flip side of that is the guy just bored in retirement. I mean, he's on, he's on spectrum. You know, he's on uh, the The Dodger broadcast. Dodger broadcast as an analyst. But I guess, you know, with the spec, he could probably still do, that, still do that, John, because the, the their broadcast ends in October, the season starts, and then in, ends in April. So it would be a perfect transition. Ned could do all the Dodger games he wants during the baseball season. And then once hockey season starts, he could do a six-month stretch as a, as a scout. So I just want to follow up on what you were saying. When in October does the Dodger season end? No, on TV. Oh, oh, on t- on regular TV. season, yeah. Okay. Yeah, then, then, then the national broadcast. National broadcast. It's not, no, it's going to. Okay. If it ends early October, John, hmm. I'm going to bring some Kleenex for you to the next podcast after that with the, if it ends in the first round. There's no crying in podcasting, DB. That's true. No crying. So, sorry about no that. No crying about podcasting. Nothing no. about jerseys. You can't cry at all. Uh, but hey, Kopitar is going to get uh, his, his selfie uh, yeah. with his Dodger hat on. That's going to look, be good. Be looking for that. So three periods. It's up. Final buzzer here, DB. Uh, great show again today. Fabulous getting Andre Kopitar on to talk. Yes. Kicking the season off. Main camp is opening up. Hockey is back. Dennis, Amen, John. Friday. I can feel it. Friday. We'll be there at some point if my schedule... No, just... Yeah, we, no, we can't wait. That's... You know, you see the hockey... You know, when you get to the end of um, August, you see the, the season off on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And then rookie camp, you say, okay, it's getting closer, closer. But the reality is, is that when Todd and the crew... Get on the uh, strap on their skates, and they're on the ice on Friday. That's real to me. Look, opening night is is the true start of the season. But when they're out there in earnest, trying to earn spots, Friday for me the season starts. Yeah, and then we have a split squad 
That's a tough one. Split squad game coming up against the Coyotes on Tuesday. Yep. That'll be game one. You won't get a full look at the roster. Half of them will be at Staples Center, and the other half will be in yeah, Glendale yep. uh, trying to fight off the Arizona Cardinals fans for parking. And, uh, <laughs> and then it'll be more podcasting and more Kings of the Podcast and more tweets and more from our fans. It'll be uh, it'll be fabulous, TV. Yeah. Hey, guys, we're just starting. Just great episode three. That's it, guys. We'll see you later. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black. Got the bushes black to match. Riding on a horse. Ha, you can whip your Porsche. I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch now. Can't nobody tell me nothing. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG, open makes more possible.